Welcome to the Truth About Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Ma. And on this episode, we're talking single tenant net lease investing with founder of Triple Net, Deal Finder, and Passive Investor Club, Dwayne Clark. Welcome to the show, Dwayne. How's it going? Matthew, thank you. I really appreciate it again. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, always a pleasure to be on someone else's show and kind of talk about stuff that I love about. I hope I can share some value. Yeah, I love it. I, I saw a lot about you and actually wanted to talk to you more about, you know, you've been doing multiple real estate businesses and you even published a multiple best-selling real estate books and you have your own investment podcast. So how did you get started with um, doing all this and getting into real estate and to specifically like triple net deals? Yeah, it's well, it's been a journey. I'm, I'm like a lot of people, they got inspired by you know, the purple book and other things. I, I got into Rios when I was early on, but my big path, and I would say for my success and a lot of my uh, um, influence came from my mentor, uh, which was my kind of my first client uh, when I was a real estate agent. And I was just kind of struck by his lifestyle. He had owned multiple different properties, you know, multifamily apartments, self storage, and single tenant net lease deals. And, but one of the biggest thing that kind of impressed me was he had owned the Walgreens pharmacy. And I, at that time, I had no idea that you can, you can own one of those. I, I figured that, and probably a lot of people listening to this, they say, you know, Walgreens, they have locations all over the country. Yeah. And their own building and stuff. Because you see their maintenance people taking care of their stuff. But in actuality, they lease it to, you know, people like you and me who can actually buy these, buy the real estate. And Walgreens, as big as a company they are, can be our tenants. So when he told me he owned one thing, I was like really struck because not only he uh, owned it, but he had to do any work for it. He called it mailbox money at the time. So, and of course, he had apartment buildings, you know, kind of the larger stuff, which he had property managers for. So that's you know, a lot you know, hands off deal as well. But the way um, for many people who are not familiar with single tenant net lease properties, which this is, is you have one tenant who occupies the building and they're responsible for most or some of the costs of the maintenance, insurance, cam charges, utilities, uh, and taxes. So everything. And they send you the rent check each month. And then on top of that, you have Walgreens, which is an, an investment grade publicly traded company with you know hundreds of locations all over the country, big multinational business. And they're they're your tenant and they're paying you rent each month and they're not going to bounce a check. And um, having one of those gives a lot of people a lot of peace of mind, especially as we just got, you know, gotten through this pandemic where there was a lot of uncertainty and people were wondering if people was going to pay rent or if their state was going to impose any type of rent freezes or eviction moratoriums or things like that. So it's important that people have a sense of security and reliance and consistency. Um, and that's what NetLease brought. So I pretty much picked his brain and did whatever he asked me to do so I can learn the business and eventually created my own brokerage, um, mainly on the buyer side, because so many people want to come in and own these assets. And I kind of so I created Triple Net Deal Finder as more of a advisory to they come in and they say, I'm, I'm looking for a cash flowing property. And it's not only just Walgreens, but you have, you know, I've sold over 30 different tenants in 40 different states, uh, over $250 million in sales. And you have from auto, like O'Reilly's and AutoZone, Chick-fil-A, 
CVS, um, Aldi, grocery. So there's definitely many different sub types of a net lease properties, but still kind of function the same. So we advise people coming in saying they want a certain thing. And many of them are also doing 1031 exchanges. So they're under a, a very um, quick time constraint as well, uh, 45 days to identify a replacement property. And they're scrambling, like, what do I do? I come in and I kind of cut out all of the weeds and guide them into the right thing and also assist them from A to Z from the acquisition all the way down to the closing. Uh, so that's why I kind of my start. And then you had mentioned my Passive Investors Club, which is just a group of investors where we just kind of look at deals together in multiple sectors, because I know that net leases are great to own and, and anyone would love to just own that. But I'm, I'm really big into diversification and also looking at different things that make sense. So that's what we also did as well. Um, so, yeah, that was, that's kind of my start there it was mainly kind of the um, the benefit from my my first mentor that I really learned this business and you know kind of dug deep and that's my bread and butter nice that's a great intro so we're gonna start breaking this down so a couple things you mentioned at first is that one when you first started into real estate like when did you start how many years ago did you start and i i started up uh, 2006 okay so and that was like right before the 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 crash so yep. yeah probably some questions there so <laughs> let's yeah we can talk about that too so you start in 2006 and you decide to get a mentor first and that's actually a good key point why did you decide to get a mentor first well it actually just fell into my it fell into my lap i would say i won't give myself all the credit <laughs> it just happened to, to be there and um and like I said, I started on 2006. I met him later on. So I started out fix and flip and, you know, like some small rental stuff. So I, I had to learn the game. So I got, I jumped into stuff and I really got into real estate by, I actually saw a road sign and it said, you know, come to this weekend RIA. And then I call it a Tupperware party because they have the multiple, <laughs> yeah. you know, the multiple gurus are there and they're all pitching their stuff. And so I ended up joining the program and I was doing that for about two years. And that's when I met him. I got my license at the time. Um, but yeah, it's just really about just learning. And then from him, it's just taking it from the next level and getting into multiple stuff. Nice. You look pretty young. So like, when did you start? Uh, until on six, like, were you pretty young starting real estate and like just jumping in? Yeah. So I graduated uh, college like what, in 2005. So okay. a year later. So, so I don't want to say I'm too, too young. I got, I got, okay. you know, you're good. Almost 10 years with two kids and, you know, you kind of feel a little older. I'm, I'm eight with 30, 39 now. So yeah, good. Me too. Time flies by, right? So. Yeah, time flies by. We're 39. So that's a perfect starting point. And you started right after college. Like most people go get a job, go do the thing, corporate life and everything. But, you know, some people uh, get into real estate, right? And you start going at it and like learning a lot about it. And, the, you know, you started to fix some flips and you started in real estate. Like, how did you do your first deal? Uh, well, I, it was from my um, the training that I got from when I went to that re-event, okay. joined with a, a, a local training group, and they taught us, you know, the creative real estate wholesaling and rehabbing. And then I found a guy that was also that was part of the class, and then hooked up with him, and then we partnered together to get into some fix and flips in the uh, Western Massachusetts market. And at that time, you know, anyone can get. Uh, with the post, you can get like a mortgage. And at that time, you, that was given 105% mortgage, <laughs> you know, all that crazy stuff. So deals was just flowing. So we started out with like foreclosure deals, uh, did a couple duplexes and single families and, and just renovated. And it was just kind of like learning, like while I went along, because I had to take some action. 
Um, but, you know, luckily I had some some training there that I paid for to kind of learn to not make as many mistakes and then, you know, kind of take it from there. Good, because I think, yeah, having mentors and coaches help a lot because you're accelerating the pace of doing business, whether it's sales, flip, fix and flips, or even triple net leases, like triple net leases, especially it's not easy. Just, okay, I can just do this myself, get in day one and just figure it out. It's not that simple. Oh, yeah. You actually need people to help you understand the whole process because the picture is actually way bigger than you think it is, right? So then the fix and flips did it, it kind of helps you kind of get you in the mindset too, because you're buying like residential real estate, you're fixing, flipping, you're learning about the process. You're learning how the cost, the timing, all the mortgages and information and buying and selling. Right. And then you do that. How long do you do that for before you get into triple net leases? Um, I, I would jump in. Well, I started on the brokerage side. Okay. Um, so from there, um, I had just had a, the training from my mentor on how he acquired it from A to Z. And then I end up just going in. I found a couple high net worth clients that were looking for stuff. And actually, were my first client was a 1031 exchange. Nice. And at that time, I, ne I didn't do one of those deals. So I, I was basically learning on the fly, you know. So I had to just take it and just take my time with it. And, of course, calling my mentor and saying, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? We was able to close the deal with no problem. And then me, I just represented the buyer. So I didn't have to do much you know, legwork on the other side and just make sure that the deal made sense. And then we had to go through title and just kind of figure things out. And it just went through. And then from there, referrals and, you know, getting a website up and marketing myself. And all of a sudden people say, hey, this is the guy to go to if you're looking for net lease deals. Started building my relationships with brokers nationwide that were sending me deals. And I'm able to kind of build my portfolio from there. So it was kind of amazing because um, my my business is really based off of based on the Internet, you know, like the way everything is with Zoom and conference calls and internet and stuff i was able to do my thing completely remote and the other cool thing for the buyer side most of my clients i've never even met met any of them it's just and a lot of them i even seen their face it's just like through <laughs> phone calls and everything it's kind of crazy how you can transact you know multi-million dollar transactions and not even see them and a lot of them i've even seen even actually seen the properties like buying sight on scene so it's a nice so another, another interesting aspect to this business that i like and um I'm glad that you know a lot of people trusted me to to help them with that. I like I like that actually. I want to dive deep into that because it, it really does make sense. And people have different misconceptions about internet leads, online people, um, just relationships. And people think physical versus digital is not. It can't be both. Or has to be physical is better because it's in person. And I get I get it and I understand it. But there is a aspect of business that you can actually transact online, and you actually become a global investor, a global oh, yeah. um, deal finder rather than a local deal finder, right? And that's different. I think it's just understanding and the concepts. But I think this year, the past year, the pandemic has proven that the shift is real and it's actually happening faster than it's supposed to happen. But people are actually becoming more comfortable because now they got associated with having to do it versus waiting to do it. So it's a big change, which I love change because it makes you stronger and makes you better because you learn faster or how to adapt or you oh, give up and fail, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> learn from the it's, yeah it's crazy because we, we was, you know, a lot of people are forced into it and you know, commercial real estate, people kind of traditionally think it's like old school where you're, you're, you're going to the uh, person's location and you're meeting people directly and stuff. Now people are doing Zoom meetings. It's just like, you know, especially out of, you know, just comfort and, you know, people feel about it. But now people can, you know, comfortably get up and, you know, they're in their shorts or their pajamas and, and transacting businesses. It's crazy. I'm blessed to do it. So you're saying, for example, Internet leads work, Zoom works. I don't need to meet you in person. I don't need to go door knock and I can, you know, I can cold call and actually that that works too. 
And in, the website works too? Exactly. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't even think about it. now. It's like, um, especially on the commercial side, because they never really embraced it. And it is still kind of in a position to of, of transition, I would say, because uh, a lot of people still haven't feel, fully adopted it. And um, for me, as kind of like a like the millennial range age. Yeah, we are. Know, we get it. We you know we're seeing social media and all that stuff. And you know, like I said, you're building your brand. I'm doing the same exact thing. And it's amazing that I'm getting leads and where people say I want to buy a five million dollar deal. You would never even quantify or even think that it's even possible because it's such a large transaction. But now, like especially now, I think the with all the negative out of the pandemic, it also created this positive where now people are more comfortable to transact business like this. So now we can start doing more things like this of, of that nature. I mean, I've done deals that are 10 million plus from internet leads for people <laughs> I have in person. And it's, it's insane. It's like, I, I wouldn't even, if I was telling my, my old self this, I, I would never believe it, you know? So, so I think just a learning lesson of this is that, embrace it and do more of it you know so like just be out there and put your face out there online and a lot of times for me is if i you know if you had contacted me um for 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 lead i just quickly google you try to find who you are if i find your instagram i could kind of see and you learn about them person because you know some people put their family or their, their business or their hobbies and you actually get to know that person and you can feel more comfortable to do business with them so i think it's very important now in the digital age that you have to kind of be a little bit more open and, um, you know, put yourself out there, you know, as much as you, you feel comfortable with, but, you know, it's definitely important if you want to, you know, make a, make a, a imprint on this business. Exactly. And you're talking about, for example, you're building an online brand, a presence, and especially even for you, like a triple net deal finder, a person who's looking for deals across multiple states and being kind of like a, a consultant, a leader in a broker, right? Uh, being able to do that, especially online, you're, being able to find people in different states. Let's say, for example, like let's take hot states like California, Florida, New York, uh, where there's a lot of tech money, affluent money. If you're in um, any smaller state, it's hard to get all the local people to be able to pay that kind of price point, right? So how do you do it locally? You can't door knock it. You can't call it. You can call outside, but it's going to be harder too because, hey, what area code is this calling me now? That's a little harder. But when yeah. you start creating a real brand, a presence, value proposition, and having a website with content and people start seeing the value you provide and then getting uh, referrals and testimonials, that actually matters, right? Because people start looking for you. And there's people out there, just say there's billions of people out there looking for real estate. You just don't know who it is. You don't know where they're located. But by having a real brand presence, they'll find you. And if the deal makes sense, they want to do a deal with you. Um, even like you said, say unseen, right? Because the deal itself makes sense, especially in commercial investing. It's all about the numbers, right? And just verify the property. We trust you, the broker, to review everything, your commercial broker. But at the same time, the numbers have to make sense. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Because I me, mean, I, I moved from Connecticut. I mean, it's kind of like that New York tri-state area. But again, like I said, you're not able to reach all of those people. And I, I've got... Um, clients from India and Canada from from this and I would never have met them and they they checked it out they actually bought my book they read it they got to know me uh, they got to know my family as far as kind of like through my online presence and then when they was ready to speak with me they're like okay you're the guy who's going to help us and this is what we're looking for and who's able to do business and it's uh it's crazy because in any other scenario I wouldn't be able to meet these people and it's great and like I said that's the 
more of a testimony to kind of get started if you're in you know commercial real estate or real estate in general whatever it is broker agent you just got to get an online presence that's that's where it's at and especially now with all of these bigger companies like zillow and stuff if you're on the residential side that are starting to build out their own entities to buying and selling deals it's even more important to build that brand and to get out there uh, so you can stake there so someone knows you matthew mize is this is the guy in this market you need to come to me rather than going with the, the robo brokerage or something like that which, which is it's, just, it's coming it's just a matter of time exactly i think the past year accelerated that too where people actually need to prove themselves online and have a presence because how am i going to find you i'm not going to go like people who are you know cautious and have family kids and everything and older people hey i'm not going to go visit you visit your office and do that like let's just hop on zoom like some people are like what's zoom or like how do i do that right but then and then if i see a lot of uh things too where i'm looking for a real estate agent i'm trying to find the contact information i can't find anything about them like who's this guy talking to me i'm like i can't i don't see no social media presence at all I'm like do i want to talk to them work with them who are they right it makes it so much harder but when you have your presence it makes it easier to uh, deal with you find information and especially when you have a podcast a youtube a book it makes it more validating because I can read your book, learn about you, actually get to understand how you think. And when you have your YouTube videos and your podcasting, I can hear you, sense how you, you know, think about real estate, how you invest. I can build a sense of trust right up front. I know you before I even know you, before I even talk to you, right? And I can say, hey, I want to work with this guy. He seems really cool. He seems really knowledgeable, wants to help people invest in real estate. And he made some smart moves. So I want to invest and throw that in, right? Absolutely. 100%. So that's so different from before the other days. Like, okay, you know, a physical way. I got to meet you in the office. Got to talk to you. Got to drive over across town, see if I even like you. I don't even know you. I got a referral from you, but I don't know how you do business. And it could be good. It could be a waste of time. You know, it's just so much harder that way, right? Mm -hmm. And plus, too, I mean, for a lot of people, especially starting out with limited budgets. I mean, I know back in my day when I, because uh, uh, when I first joined, I had to be an agent. You know, before being a broker and so i joined keller williams and of course i came to them because of the big brand and the big name and they said oh they're going to do this and do that for you and you know, they give you this training book and they say all right well you got to visit all these people per week and then you know all of the big guys they were sending out postcards and stuff and now i don't spend any you know besides from seo putting up content um and i can build a presence immediately and then from there build up uh build up like a soft group of of people that may be interested, start running some ads. And so you're able to kind of test the waters and, and go out there and actually make a make an imprint, you know, as, as quickly as possible, rather than kind of having thousands of dollars of actual marketing budget and, and having a staff and all that stuff. And everything can be done virtually. I have, you know, virtual transaction coordinators, I have a virtual assistant, I have virtual marketing people, and it's just me, you know, so it's like, so it's like, I have this team, but you know, they're, you know, one's in uh, India and then ones in Asia. So it's like I, I have a, a team, but it's it's not like how it was back in the day where I have to get some local girl or local guy that's in a physical office and rent space. And, <laughs> and so it's, it's so much it's so much better now. And it's, it's a benefit for newer people who want to get into the business and really start without having to feel like oh, I got to come up with five, ten thousand dollars to get started my business. Exactly. I think in nowadays you can do real estate in so many different ways, but the fact that you can do it digitally and grow and now you're not, you actually have a team. It's not a VA team. It's a global team. There's no virtual assistant. It's basically a global team where your team can be located anywhere in the world. And that's actually beneficial because you can do it across multiple time zones and have almost 24 seven services to your clientele, create better satisfaction and better response time. People feel happier too. And you're saving that cost 
all those expenses you get rid of, you can refocus that into more marketing, more systems, more um, support, right? There's so many ways to utilize that. And how I want to jump into that too is like, in triple net leasing, this is different because now you're looking for specific people who want to invest and who want to learn about triple net and invest in it versus just normal people who are buying and selling. So even for you, it gets harder in a different way because you're becoming hyper-focused and specific to find people who want to invest in triple net versus, hey, I want to live in the house. That's totally different, right? I want to invest in real estate. I might invest locally. Going, going out of state is a little bit harder, but going triple net is even harder, you know? So then you can't door knock that. That doesn't make sense to door knock it. You can't cold call it. It's going to be really hard to find those people too. So you have to build a presence. And how do you do that? Physically, that's really hard. Digitally, maybe. You know, you do you start doing the SEO. You mentioned the website, the SEO, the content, right? So that, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you just nailed it on the head. I My business wouldn't exist if, I, if it wasn't online. Because uh, the type of people, Rich, I mean, the regular everyday people, grandfathers and husbands and wives and things like that, but as far as their specific criteria, I didn't know that they had an interest in buying a CVS or a Walgreens, you know, so I, I know like kind of like criteria, you know, high net worth and, you know, maybe some of their um, stuff that they, they're into and then I could probably target that. But, you know, I, I want to know to go knock on someone's door and say, hey, would you like to buy a CVS? You know, so <laughs> they have to learn what, what yeah. investment in CVS is. So I'm, I'm putting out information on what it actually is and you know, what are the benefits for it. And then those people find that, and maybe they're looking up, you know, cash flow, investment, real estate, you know, secured or something of that sort, or, you know, alternative to stocks or something like that. Then they find it, you know, so it's in, in ways I'm able to kind of shift their their mindset or their, their thought process. And, oh, maybe this is a good alternative to maybe buying that eight unit that I was going to buy. But I would never know that by just knocking on someone's door and then approaching with that. So. You know, just having the internet presence, I'm able to educate people and then bring people into my sphere that, you know, would normally would even consider. I mean, a lot of my clients, they never invested in NetLease before. I'm the, their first purchase. Um, they they kind of heard of it before, but they, they never knew that they can own a 7-Eleven gas station or an Aldi's grocery store, you know, or a Costco. You know, a lot of these big name brands, they never even thought that was even possible. And I'm able to bring those opportunities to them, you know, just by having a presence on the internet and finding them and, you know, and, and, and trusting in me to, to help them with that. Nice. So for example, websites really do work. Content marketing really works. Video marketing, podcast marketing, books work because you're educating, you're providing a lot of content and value and people are actually searching online. You know, a lot of agents think, Hey, no one's gonna look at my website. Yeah. They're not going to, because you're not providing content, but if you actually did provide content, people will look at your website. Right. And you just got to find them and build it. And I think of it as not expense, it's investment. So you're investing into your website. You're not expense using expenses to build your website. Right. And you're adding content, you're adding value. And what happens is it becomes green. So it's forever. And if you keep building the content over time, like we did over 40 plus episodes, that actually is really beneficial because there's so much value there and it's forever. And people will reshare that forever. And yeah, might, some people might get one view. Okay. Don't worry about that. Later, you'll get 1,000 views, 10,000 views. You just got to wait and build it over time, right? And it scales. But exactly. You just mentioned Evergreen. It's, yep. it's always going to be there forever. Yep. And like I said, it's, it's like kind of like mini business cards, just kind of putting out there. Because, you know, of course, you you're, you have maybe like an expert or somebody that's going to help bring value um, to the show. But then you also have contact information. And if you have any additional questions or if you're interested in this to learn more, go contact them. And you just keep providing more and more and more until they get, you know, of course, like, you know, like, know, and trust you and then be able to kind of take that next step to say, hey, I'm very interested and 
I'm in this market and I'm looking for something. Can you help me out? Or at least you, you start building that seed. And that's that's really what it is. And that's why people have to you know be more encouraged to embrace it. Nice. Exactly. Because especially when you're doing your um, YouTube videos and your podcasting, you're talking about triple net leases, like we're sitting here and if we're actually listening and paying attention to the whole thing and we're not working and doing something else, we're actually learning from you. We're, it's basically like I'm sitting in your office having a conversation with you, but now I can pause it. I can replay it. I can forward it to my family. I can say, Hey, let's review this. Let's look over all the details that Dwayne just mentioned. And I start feeling comfortable. Okay. I want to learn more. And the more I keep digging in, the more chances that I'm going to buy something from you because you provided everything I need up front without me even having to consult you without me um, saying, Hey, I'm going to call Dwayne and he's going to start bombarding me with sales. He's not, he's just providing value. I can review everything I want. And when I'm ready to pull the trigger, I'm going to call you and you can already, you already set up the whole thing already where they already know who you are. They're already ready to work with you. They already said, yes, you just got to find them the property now and understand what they want. Absolutely. So much easier, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me personally, I mean, and maybe you're uh, like a little bit different. I got to kind of get to know them, you know, like for a little long time, kind of start that relationship. You know, I'm not really just to, if I see an ad to call you quickly because I'm, I'm not sure who you are. So I need to you know, mention the multiple mediums, you know, to kind of know your investment thesis or your thought process or, you know, what are your thoughts on the market? Because then if our interests align, because I can't do business with everybody, I'm looking for the kind of business specific group that are interested in this stuff and also like my demeanor they like my character they trust me uh and they they feel on do business it's more of a human thing rather than a business thing because i can go to you and buy buy real estate from you or i can go to someone down the street and buy real estate from them but why would they buy stuff from me and that's why you have to put out put out as much stuff and not just specifically on business you know stuff that so they can understand your thesis and the way your, your thought process is and as well as some stuff that can they can learn more about you so then you can kind of bring them into your world because ultimately we're doing business with other humans exactly you're building the relationships and the trust up front and then the more you understand each other the more likely it'll work so let's dive in what is triple net leasing and how does that compare to regular uh, residential leasing and um, commercial investments yeah, so I mean, everyone's you know knows of the residential side, you know, single yeah. family duplexes and things like that. That's like the most common investment out there. Um, but single tenant, you're dealing with one tenant that occupies one building and could be retail, office, industrial, and typically the benefit is that they was the tenant will sign a long term lease. So in some cases, 10, 15, 20, and twenty five years contractually that they're obligated to pay rent to you. Now, a lot of these leases have contractual rent increases that's built into it. So we just did a deal with uh, 7-Eleven and there were 10% rental increases every five years. So, you know, like I'm getting $250,000 for a year one through five and then it's going to increase to 270000 year five to 10. So and then you know that it's coming in. They sign a long term lease. So, you know, that they're going to be there, that tenant, you don't have to worry about them as compared to apartment building, which are great investments, but you're typically dealing with annual leases. So then at the end of the year, they're either going to be staying or they can renew. So now it's, um, you know, and I said now, particularly I've been very busy during the pandemic because people were looking for, for certainty. They wanted to know that they have a tenant that's going to be paying rent and that's not going to be interrupted. Um, and then what like I said with the, these uh, triple net leases, they're going to be uh, contractually obligated to pay rent for that that term um also um, i'm dealing with major tenants i mean of course you can 
do a triple net lease with pretty much anybody, you know, a restaurant down the street or, you know, like a small mom and pop shop. But mainly, most of the time that I get contacted is for very large corporate or very large franchise or investment grade tenants. So like the, the CVS 7-Eleven of the world's or the Chick-fil-A's of the world's um, AutoZone, um, you know, these tenants are uh, rated by S&P and Moody's. You know, these are, you know, very strong credit tenants. So you know that they're going to be paying the rent most likely. And of course, nothing's guaranteed, you know, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you know, CVS is going to probably be around for the long term. Um, and they're rated a, you know, a triple B um, tenant. So they're very, very strong. They're publicly traded, got, you know, thousands of units all over the country and I'll have a presence um, around the world. Um, also, the, the, the benefit is you have, you know, Many different factors of net lease, um, but the, the one that I'm that I mostly deal with are absolute triple net leases, meaning the tenant is responsible for all of the of the uh, responsibilities of the property, which is the taxes, insurance, maintenance, utilities, and, and most of the time they pay it directly. So it's really what we call it is mailbox money. We yeah. sit back and. Every first or the fifteenth, whenever the schedule for rent payment is due, you're gonna get a check from your tenant, and you really don't have you don't have to go check on them. You don't have to fly to the property. They're not gonna be calling you say, "Hey, I need this, I need that." It's really a hands-off property, and that's one of the bigger benefits that because a lot of my clients are you know, older in age or think about retirement. They may have sold an eight unit and want to go switch over to a net lease where they don't have to do anything. Um, so that's kind of like the major benefits. And another big benefit is that you don't have to invest in your backyard. So what I do when I have a, a client contact me, we look for the best deal in the best location, wherever that is. So if they're in California, let's look at deals in Texas, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Arizona. Let's look at all of the top markets and look at deals there rather than, oh, let me buy a duplex. Maybe you should be you know, not too far from it so you can check up, check up on it once in a while unless it's you know, unless you have a property manager, or you have systems for that. But, you know, for the most part, people don't want to deal with anything. And, you know, when I learned from my mentor, he was always, you know, overseas. He was on vacation. He wasn't looking at anything, you know. So I was like, how do you do that? You know? So, and I, I know friends who have fixed and flip businesses and they have duplexes and they was kind of stuck in their local market, you know. And uh, unless they, like, so unless you create a system for that, you know, you're pretty much stuck there. And with these net lease deals, and I've done probably 95% of my transactions were sight on scene, they bought it without even driving to the property to during the due diligence stage. So that's another benefit is that you're not checking on these guys and they're going to make sure that you're going to get payment each, each and every month. Um, the cons of it, though, is you're dealing with one tenant. So, of course, going through a pandemic, we've seen pretty much the worst of the worst, what, what can happen to an economy. Is that you know you had a lot of disruption and people wasn't certain on what was going on, um, and then you know some tenants, not all of them, you know, ask for um, you know rent abatements or you know to pause their rent or can we pay at a you know add some you know lease at the end of it or things like that and until everything kind of shaked out. Um, so that's the thing of of course concern uh, for people that you're dealing with one tenant if, if you're dealing with maybe a smaller regional tenant or a small franchisee. Maybe they didn't survive, and then, and then you you know you're stuck with an empty building because you only had one tenant. Uh, so you know you got to make sure, of course, you're looking at 
good piece of real estate and all these other different factors like you will look at any investment. Um, but those are some of the stuff people um, always concern about these types of properties. Yeah, and I completely get that too. Because for me, like I live multi-unit real estate apartment buildings. Just because people need to live, they need a place to stay. They they want to pay rent, and if they can't, then they can move out, and then someone else can come in to take the spot. But in a triple net lease, for example, yeah, that one or single lease, you have the one tenant, and if they can't pay, then you really, as an owner, you're kind of stuck in the middle. Like, okay, how do I help you and help myself? Because I, they have to pay their own mortgage too. If you're not, exactly. you know, covering everything at the time, right? Then that gets tough because uh, buying a building is super expensive. If even if on triple net leases, um, it is nice to have that kind of difference. Like like you said, mailbox money, passive income, it's guaranteed in the sense that you're working with a strong company like Walgreens CBS, then they're pretty stable. But even during the pandemic, a lot of businesses closed down. Uh, even the big ones, they hard hit, like some Best Buys, right? They got hurt too. They can and they sustain, they closed their places down. I don't know if all the leases end at the same time, but you know, how do they sustain that, right? In as the next person comes, how long is your vacancy for the next person to come in to can has to be affected. So one thing I look at too, is like, okay, what's the price point you're getting uh, for the property and the triple net lease is beneficial. What's the cap rate you're getting on that? And what's the vacancy factor and the risk tolerance, right? So is that more beneficial, but it is in a way simpler because if you're doing active multi-unit investing, you're active. Now you need property manager, you need to manage, you got to deal with all this stuff constantly. And this gets tiring too, because as we get older, we want more time back for ourselves. We don't want to deal with anything, right? Property manager, great, everything, but you still have to deal with them. But if you have um, triple net lease, you really don't have to deal with anything except making sure you get a check every single month. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so yeah, you got to think about those factors. And that's why I guess the first questions that I ask when I, get a new potential client calling in saying, I want this. And we'll kind of run through with our goal list because then I can mix them up with a certain type because, you know, you have like a CVS lease, which is, is typically flat, meaning um, that if they pay 250 K uh, in rent a year, that's what you're getting for the life of the lease. Then you have other tenants that have rental increases, maybe by 2% annually or 10% every five years or seven and a half percent every five years and things like that. So it really comes down to, or if you want a shorter term lease where you'd be able to negotiate at the end of the term. So there's a lot of different things. It's really based off of their goals and, and what they want and things like that. But for the most part, you know, a lot of people are, come to me or like net lease because of the aspect that you know, have one tenant paying and being on a long-term lease. And if you have a strong tenant, Dollar General, a lot of these investment grade tenants that, you know, that would, would be able to withstand um, you know, financial strains on the economy and still pay that you know, they'll be able to have that cash flow coming in. So that kind of, you know, many things outweigh the, um, the potential risk that, that may potentially happen, you know, like, so like a pandemic. So in a triple net lease, for example, you know, you're getting a single tenant and you're getting stabilized rent and you're getting increases over time. But like as an owner, then basically you're just a passive investor in a, in a sense, you're getting mailbox money, but you don't have a way equally easily to like build equity off of it. You can't like add value. You can't do things to get equity and resell it quickly. It's different. You're just getting mailbox money in and you're getting stabilized money, which can be good for part of your portfolio. And depending on what you're doing and how much time you want to spend, it's a good a asset to have because it's something if you get especially if you get a great location and you're just holding it for that time period one day you can resell it again at a better rate if it goes up right exactly yeah i mean from the, from the get-go you already kind of know what you're getting so you know if it's you know 200k in rent plus it's going to go up every five years or annually you know where the rent's going to be so when it's come time to resell you can tell the the new potential buyer this is where it's at this is where it's going to be they they know what's coming ahead 
instead of saying, okay, well, the market may be changing or we have to look at vacancy rate, we have to look at all these different factors. So a little bit easier to kind of sell that um, idea to someone if they're kind of okay with that as compared to apartment where it's value add, where you know you'd be able to pump so much value in, decrease the cost, in, you know, increase the rents, and then be able to just pull out so much equity and, and bring up so much value from there. Uh, so like I said, it's not for every type of investor, but I like it because it's a good thing to have in a portfolio. It may not be the only thing. Some people are okay with just having that. I have a client where they just he just owns 7-Elevens, Chick-fil-A's, and AutoZones, and that's his thing. And But that fits in his lifestyle. And then some people like to have, and that's why I created my other club, is to kind of add in some other stuff into their portfolio so they're really well balanced. Uh, so it really comes down to what type of investor or what your goals. And that can change over time as well. As I get older, I like to have some net lease into my portfolio as well as some stuff. So I'm not too too old yet, but I'm able to still be active. But I'm still looking towards the, the future where I'll be able to kind of dial back and have these net lease stuff. And I feel like not doing anything for weeks or months at a time. I know I got income coming in for my net lease deals. Okay, nice. So like, how do you get started in a net lease? Like, for example, how do investors who want to learn more about it, how do they get started? Like, what what's the minimum criteria to even get started? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not they're not cheap. So it's not like you're, you're buying a duplex where you can find something for 250K. The average deal size for me is two and a half to three million dollars. Um, and the, probably the smallest is probably like a million, million plus, um, you know, of, of something of quality. So, so it's not for, you know, every single you know, like newbie um, coming in. Um, but, but then you also deal with different types of tenants. You have, you know, fast food, auto, retail, grocer, uh, industrial, like uh, different types of stuff. And they all have different types of tenants with different types of leases. So really just coming down and just saying, what is my goal? Uh, like, what do I want to do? Then you try to um, investigate the different types of tenants in each of these categories, what type of leases they have, um, and then seeing which will be a good fit. And then seeing if, you know, based off of the cap rate, because each of these tenants have different cap rates as well, and seeing if the numbers uh, make sense as far as like buying into. I know, you know, right now where interest rates are creeping back up, you know, before they was very low. You can definitely make like a decent spread on there. Um, but yeah, so you just kind of got to run the numbers and see, you know, see what ultimately makes sense for you. Um, so what kind of down payments do you need to start? Like, for example, I'm interested in doing a triple net lease. So like how much money do I need to put in to get even the, the cheapest one? Yeah. So normally the, the mortgage lenders I work with, they're usually on the 35% um, plus side. So at minimum, you need 35%. A lot of lenders I work with, you need like a, a million dollar plus loan. So those are kind of the, the criteria that you got to be coming into something. You know, like I said, so if it's a million dollar deal, you, you come in with like you know, 30% plus there um, to be to, as a safeguard. And, um, you know, like I so said, these lenders are, of course, looking at the locations and the, the, the tenants, the tenants credit and the strength and all that stuff. So it's just got to, you know, differ from there. Uh, we just did a Chick-fil-A deal and it was during the pandemic. And even though Chick-fil-A is a multi-billion dollar company, great tenant. Um, and like, I mean, these these guys, really in the, but they give their very low cap rates. They're like in the three and a half to three point four five percent range, and the one lender wanted like 50 percent down. Yeah, that's um, hard. So, so, so it depends on the deal, um, and depends, of course, the spread and things like that. But it, it's, you really got to look at it on a case by case basis. But overall, you got to look at it at 
you got to come at least 35% plus down if it makes sense. Okay. So for example, 35% plus down, you're doing a million plus property. And if you're getting like three and a half, four, you know, cap rate, that's um, normal. It's average. It's something most people can attain, even in uh, multi-units, even residential, they can even attain that. And they can do that at a lower price point. Like say somebody in some other area, they're buying and paying 250K for a house or 500K in the Bay Area, San Francisco. It's like a million plus already just starting for a house, right? And even condos. But the cap rates in general here are average three and a half to four and a half percent, depending on what you're doing, of course. And to get higher than that gets harder. But when you start um, going outside, out of state, it's easier to get, especially in um, single families and multifamilies, you can start hitting five to eight plus. Of course, the risk starts getting higher as you start going that route. Um, so that's different too, because one is active versus more passive versus mailbox menu, right? So that's the kind of a blend you might want to have. And then for people who are maybe young or more aggressive, they might say, hey, I want to go for higher rates. So then they're going to be more proactive at, at, at it. Um, before you mentioned fix and flips too, but the fix and flips have to deal with taxation too, short-term gains versus um, multi-units as long-term gains and versus like a triple net lease. You got to talk to your CPAs about tax, depreciation, benefits, and then just do a cost analysis across the board and see what, what you really want to do. So you kind of get that point. So how long does it take for lending wise? Like, okay, I'm interested in buying one today, for example, like how do they do the lending? Um, how's it compared to residential and how long does it take to close a deal? I mean, pretty much the same. I mean, um, you know, typically most of the deals takes up 60 days from beginning to end. Um, so like I said, a lot of lenders there uh, that I, that I work with, the, uh, they're pretty on top of the game. So, I mean, it's, you know, of course, you can do a quicker close, like on a residential deal, you know, maybe 30, 45 days. But yeah, on typically I, I tell my clients to allocate up to 60 days, you know, to kind of get work because some of these deals may require a phase one and phase two report, updated surveys and things like that. Uh, some some additional title work as we go back and forth. But overall, I, I the longest deal I, I did was 75 days and it was because it was new construction. And we was waiting for the, the CEO come in and it was, you know, it was getting close to being done and all that stuff. And then they needed a rent, a rent commencement period of 30 days. And so like that was like the longest I did. But on average, most of my deals been 45 to 60 days with financing. And of course, the, the fastest one I did was 21 days with all cash. So so really come depending on that. But if you're coming in with some debt, yeah, I would kind of allocate, you know, a typical commercial deal. Cause I see a lot of the apartment and self storage deals are taking the same amount of time to close as well. Okay. And then, so normally when they buy into a, a deal, there's already a tenant in place. You're just buying the asset and then you're taking over the mailbox money. And what's the reason for the current owner seller um, selling it now? You know, like if they're getting that mailbox money and they kind of started with that, like why sell it now? Yeah. Well, a lot of times um, that I, I, the reason I see is, the, the, depending on how you structure your deal from the beginning, because I have a lot of my mortgage lenders, they do kind of like another consultative call with all of the clients that I bring on. They say, well, what type of financing do you want? Do you want a five and then this so you can be able to structure your deals that way? Or are you looking for a really long term? You're going to hold it long term. So it really comes down. You got to kind of know what you want to do from the beginning. Um, so from there, like I said, you know, there's no reason to sell a deal if you have enough a year uh, tenant with a 15 year lease in their great location, you keep it forever. But then some people are mixing up their portfolios all the time. So they'll hold, they'll buy a 15 year deal, hold it to the, to year 10, put it on the market and go buy another 15 year deal, or they'll split it and go buy you know something else. So they're constantly just kind of moving their money. They're kind of like me where they're just constantly, 
they're they're passive, but they're also active in their their trading of their properties as well. So, but you know, as far as like any negatives or like panic selling, I mean, I mean, you know what you're buying, so it's not like you know you're going to be finding something, um, you know, like a problem with the deal if you have like a dollar general as a tenant and they've been paying and there's no issues with the property. So it really comes down to kind of like their reasoning to either exit the deal for I don't know, financing or they're just mixing up their portfolio or something. Okay. And how has the um, vacancy been uh, throughout the pandemic time period? Like, do you see um, any of these big boxes closing down, the closing specific locations? And then how's the vacancy been? Have um, new the owners been able to reoccupy with the new tenant? We, yeah, it's been overall been great. Net lease industry has, um, has seen historic numbers. Um, Dollar General, um, Family Dollar, um, they all seen record sales. As you can know, like they're essential businesses. So um, those are the tenants I've been selling most of, uh, like fast food, Chick-fil-A. Um, it's crazy because you used to go to a Chick-fil-A and the, his car is wrapped around the building during the pandemic. It's, you know, <laughs> like, you know it's, it's been crazy. So like a lot of these, they've been doing well. The other good thing is um, we learned a lot since 08. So the lender's been a lot better overall. The commercial sector hasn't been overbuilt. So we, we came into the pandemic with a strong, stronger foundation than last time. Um, and then now um, these essential tenants that were um, open and mandated to be open because, you know, they you know go to Dollar General, you need toilet tissue, you need water, you need milk and eggs. Okay. You know, people are going to these places, you know, so and it, so they've been they've been the benefit, you know, and they've been like Amazon, all those places, they've been billions of dollars during this, this time period. And so a lot of these same businesses are the same. Um, so overall, it's, it's been it's been great. And then, of course, interest rates been low during that time. So people were able to buy in. So I've been extremely busy during this during this period. Um, what so kind of rates have you been seeing? Uh, it was down in the it was. Two nine, two eights, and now recently three, three eight, and stuff still, still pretty low, you know. Pretty low, so, yeah, yeah. So it's been pretty good, you know. So it's um, so yeah. So Epipo was able to kind of pick up some good deals that made sense. How do you guys vet potential opportunities and you know find those good deals? And then what kind of things do you or investors should look at for um, red flags? Uh, for me, it's, it's all come down to I first start with is an essential tenant, um, mm -hmm. so I need to deal with those guys that. Because, um, you know, of course, it's like kind of like the worst of the worst, like, you know, like a pandemic, you know, like everything shuts down. So, like, we you learn a lot. So, so we say you deal with a tenant that has to stay open for, for you know, any amount of reason. Uh, from there, also, I look at Amazon proof um, tenants, um, you know, tenants that won't be subject to e-commerce or uh, any of these type of disruptors that come in now take away business. I know like the the the. Uh, the furniture stores and some of these places that you buy clothing from, um, you know, Best Buy, you can buy electronics from those places get quickly disrupted. So if you stick with tenants there, then I start with like you would do is just the actual real estate itself for net lease. You know, we look at places that have strong demographics that are densely populated within the one, three and five mile radius uh, and have decent household income based off of their, their business profile and, and um, acquisition um, criteria and have a good traffic count. So if it's a, like a hard corner location that's getting like 30,000 cars per day that's going by, is it at a hard corner where it's at the traffic light? Uh, is it a good area? So if for the worst case scenario, if that tenant did happen to leave, 
that's going to be another attractive location for another tenant. So we had like a place that was a um, uh, it was a Firestone and it was there for 50 years and they moved because the, the lot was just too small. They had it was there for 50 years, but they needed more room. So that was the reason, only reason that they left. But then Starbucks quickly picked that up because they didn't need uh, a huge amount of parking space because majority of their business in this particular site was drive through. So, you know, you just got to look at something that, you know, worst case scenario, what can I put this tenant in here for? And actually I was speaking to a client yesterday and we're looking at a, a Burger King and that was the same question. And so we're looking at the size of the lot, how many parking spaces, what's the size of the building. So if worst case scenario, if they did leave, could we put a uh, Dunkin' Donuts there or, you know, something like that uh, to be able to uh, replace that, that, um, that tenant if they leave. So yes, there, and so it's an Amazon proof and location, and of course the tenant itself. So you have um, corporate investment grade and you have franchise level. Uh, so like the franchise, we sold a lot of like KFCs, um, Dunkin' Donuts, and a lot of those models are franchise owned. So of course you have like the one, two unit owners and you have, you know, big uh, KDP, I think it's KDP or one of the larger franchisees that has like 300 units, you know, you know, big, big time corporations. So they're more stable as far as like financials and be able to pay their rent. Then you have corporate like Chick-fil-A, which is they're not publicly traded, but they're very large private corporate companies that are in their particular companies worth over billions of, I think $20 billion. And they have investment grade, which are like the CVS and Walgreens of the world, which are you know rated by S&P and Moody's and publicly traded on, on the stock market. So I always look at those factors and if everything looks positive and the numbers make sense, um, you know, we, we you know, advise our clients to take further look at it. And of course, we look at the overall general market. We do a lot of deals in like South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, a lot of these landlord friendly states, a lot of the same criteria you will look at for apartments or any other type of commercial real estate. We make sure that they're, you know, we do, you know, a lot of the clients I get from are high tax states. California, New York, New Jersey, and they're looking at more business friendly, you know, tax tax friendly states. Um, so yeah. we kind of, you know, look at those markets. So those are more attractive for for many reasons. So nice. That's a good point too. And especially like for example, if you know you buy a property, and even though you can't guarantee that the current own, uh, tenant is going to be there for that time period, at least you have options. You already think the uh, the worst case scenario backup options. Say, hey, if this happens to fall through, for example, one day they decide to leave, you can you. You know, think about using the site for Starbucks for other businesses that are sustainable and that can pay. And then, um, do you guys help them work with other businesses to um, to take over the lease? If yeah, so I only I only did that one because uh, a lot of times, you know, we've been very successful to place you know them with tenants that's that's been there and a long time. But we did deal with probably one scenario where um, and they were they had owned the also the other lot as well, so they actually looking at building some other uh, tenants there as well. So we advise them to you know, bring in some other tenants because I, I have relationships directly with McDonald's Corp and 7-Eleven Corp and their, re their real estate department. And they're always looking for new locations. Nice. And you can give them a quick call and say, hey, I got this owner and he has land and this is the traffic counts. Here's here's uh, the distance to your other stores and won't cannibalize sales. Um, they'll come in um, and um, you know fill that vacancy. So it's always good to have these relationships and kind of have an idea of what what would be the plan B if the worst case scenario happens. You know, at least you have your 
you know, it's a little bit better, especially for newer people that are coming in. Like, oh, I'm not sure. It's only one tenant. I yeah. rather have a hundred units so I can, you know, so, but again, you want to make sure that you kind of have the plan B because, you know, the same can happen for apartments where maybe they do a rent abatement or rent, uh, you know, like a freeze or something like that. And something happens and, and you're stuck and you got to pay the mortgage or something like that. So you just got to have a plan in case something happens. And I think one benefit of uh, commercial spaces is it's not like, for example, it's not like, you know, um, residential where there's rent controls and other options for tenancies in commercial is commercial business, right? And you're treating it like a real business. You're either paying or you're not. And then here's what, here's what happens next. So they're completely different. And I think the feeling of it as a landlord or people, a person who wants more passively, Hey, I don't have to worry about all this stuff. Basically I know what I'm buying. I know what I'm getting. I know how long it's going to be. I'm settled. It's passive. It's mailbox money. I can move on and just deal with other stuff. And it's part of my portfolio, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I, I got uh, a lot of clients that they, they own businesses or they do other stuff, you know? So it's like real estate is not like they're, they're not like full-time real estate investors, but it just yeah. kind of like added value. Cause you know, if they had, you know, $2 million, you know, cash somewhere, you know, they had to put it somewhere. So it's like annuities, bonds, stocks and stuff like that. So, Hey, let me put it into a real estate asset. Let me get the tax benefits of it. Uh, it's going to appreciate. I know the cash flow is coming in. It's a strong tenant and it's, and it's similar to buying a bond, you know, so it's like similar to buying a corporate bond. So, uh, but you're actually owning the real estate and getting the, the benefits um, out of it. Cause I know some tenants, uh, if it's like a fee simple ownership that a lot of them are doing cost segregations on it and pulling up and, you know, if it's auto related to getting these additional bonus, uh, bonus depreciation um, benefits out of it. So it's like, it's just like a trifactor. So instead of having that money sitting in, Stocks where, you know, you know, it's there, but, you know, hair is like a multifaceted benefits as well. Nice. I like, I like that too, because like in real estate syndication and funds, that's a different model too, where, you know, investors can go that route too. And, but one thing you mentioned earlier too, like a 1031 exchange, you know, you talk to the 1031 lawyers, they're like, you can exchange this into commercial triple net leases and easy, but in real estate syndication, you can't do that, you know? And one thing you could do too, and I just I was thinking about too, especially as a triple net lease owner, and if you own some good assets, um, that you can probably work with the DST, and then do that way for other people to buy into it using ten thirty ones. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I as I um, uh, work with or I advise other clients to say, hey, go take a look at DSTs because sometimes they'll come to me and they just may not have two million dollars ready to go to buy a deal. Maybe they have one hundred fifty k. And but they like the, the the aspect of working or buying into a net lease deal. So you go find a net lease DST and invest in that, and you get the same benefits. You know, of course, you're not owning everything, but yeah. you know, at least you get in and own it, and you get the same cash flow coming in as mailbox money. Because um, I have a, a couple of people that I know that they own like Walgreens DSTs or Davida Dialysis Centers or other larger industrial. On net lease deals that are twenty million dollars that they wouldn't be able to buy even if they had two million dollars cash. <laughs> so they might as well own something and get the benefit, and they get to satisfy their their exchange requirements. Good. And I think one thing too before we wrap up is that you know in real estate there's so many different options you can choose, and it's basically what flavor do you like? You want to do multi units, single family, fix and flips. You want to do triple net leases, office, commercial, syndication funds. And I think the key point of it is really finding good, um, you know 
real estate agents and brokers and people who really know the business, uh, especially like you, for example, if I wanted to ask about triple net leasing, I'll call you and say, Hey, like, tell me more, tell me how that works. Cause I'm interested in that. Or if I'm interested in like syndication funds, like feel free to give me a call and talk about that versus real estate sales and multi-units. There's so many different ways to do it. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. It's basically, what do you want? How does it fit into your portfolio? And you know, how, what's your end goal? And then who's the right people, the right team to help you. And the second fact is to also think about making sure you have a good team with a good CPA, with a good lawyer, 1031 lawyer, um, other lawyers you need for your team and make sure it makes sense, right? And try to figure out all the tax strategies and benefits that you can use in place. There's so many different ways you can do things. It's just really coming down to, you know, what, what type of uh, a person you are and how do you want to invest, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it really comes down to, you, you nail it on the head. It's just go out there and just seeking information. Because uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt or you're not obligated to do business with me or you. Uh, but it's great to have that. I'm pretty sure you will talk to anybody just to kind of let them know what's going on. I'm pretty sure they get a lot of value listening to this podcast alone, uh, but just getting more information. I mean, my journey started from you know reading books and meeting a mentor, someone that knew more than me, um, that you know person I wanted to aspire to be. And I learned from him. You know, I'm pre pretty sure people are going to get inspired by watching this and they're going to reach out and they just have a conversation. They may not do business with uh, you tomorrow or the next day, but maybe later on when they're ready. Um, but just kind of getting out there and getting started. And then from there, maybe they, they was never thinking about net lease, but maybe they start thinking about it now. And then maybe yeah. they'll want to add in syndications and, and talk to you about it. But at least they'll get got to take action and get started. And like I said, it doesn't help to just reach out and just have a conversation just to kind of even, you know, you know to, to develop your palate because there's a lot of stuff that I'm starting more research into um, short-term rentals and Airbnbs. I wasn't yeah. really thinking about that until I started talking to the guys who were actively doing, I said, hey, there's something I may have to add that into my portfolio now. And it, and it all started where I just, I just found a video. And I said, let me reach out and find out more. Uh, so I think people just should just get more curious, especially because like I said, it's your money at the end of the day and you have, you have your goals, your future, you got to like, find a plan and just, you know, stick to it and just, just get started. You know, that's my, my best advice. I like that too. I really um, think that's really valuable because people, I think I see a lot of people, they're not taking any action. So when you take no action, you know, changes inevitable, things are going to happen. You're going to either be there and fall behind, or you're going to move forward with everyone else who's actually doing it. And the people who actually research and learn and try and ask questions can be do really well. And yeah, Airbnb is a great example. It's doing really well right now in certain sectors because they have, you have to look at all the benefits of it, but they're doing, they're performing really well in those locations. Um, storage units are doing really well right now too, um, in locations, right? And also um, senior housing is another one that's doing really well. Well, and apartment buildings are doing well too. And triple net leases, some locations, some properties in specific um, types that you just mentioned earlier, they're performing well. So you either think about all these, if you see which one's your best one you want to take into, start talking to the right people, working with a great team, learning more, or you just sit there and just wait and you know don't do anything right and just <laughs> everything changes around you. Exactly, exactly. So I appreciate that. Anything that um, you want to let the invest uh, people know, and also like, what was the book that you wrote? What's the name of it? Uh, so it's real estate mailbox money. So you real know, it's kind of yeah, that was the latest one, and it was on the you know investing in single tenant net lease. So, so I pretty much just kind of broke down what it is, and 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 if you wanted to buy, like kind of like the process. It's kind of like a like a beginner's how to because, like I said, there's so much inter you know so much stuff that goes involved that's involved into it 
Um, so you can always, you know, reach out, ask questions about it. But at least it's a good starter for people to play. Okay, what's this asset about? And it'll actually tell you if it's right for you, if it, if it makes sense. Uh, it kind of explains what it is and the benefits for that. So uh, so I figure you, you start there. But or any, or like anything, just just go look for information. It's always there. Or have a conversation with someone. I think that's really valuable too, because you know the books uh, we mentioned that basically I'm getting to be inside your brain, learn everything about it. You wrote it in a book, in a sense, right? It might be short and simpler, uh, simpler than what you do, but at the same time, I really get to have like a conversation with you through through the book. And it's like coaching, and it's so much cheaper in a sense. If you want to read a book, you can read everyone's book out there and learn so much. But most people don't take the time to read all the books and like really dig in right you know you got to be have a like vast appetite for knowledge and that's fun that's actually really fun if you can have the time to do it actually mm-hmm. yeah and it's a, for people who because i was never a big books when i was younger and course. me either yeah and it's like and I, I and now that i'm like getting more interested in, in different stuff and i'm like all right let me check this book out and but there's other mediums like podcasts videos youtubes and Audio stuff that you can learn a lot as well. So I figure you just start, but always be hunger and eager for that knowledge in whatever form that is. I mean, for fourteen dollars, you get a book that pretty much lays out the whole game plan of, of something that can. One thing that's in there that can change your life. It's like you know, there's only fourteen bucks. And a lot of stuff is free. You know, you can find it at the library or whatever. But there's definitely no limit to information that's out there in today's world. Exactly. Uh, it makes me think about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, you know, listening to audiobooks, read the book, and then you watch the videos and you just see it. And it, 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 change, it can change you really quickly. You just got to be out there and do it. Great. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, The Truth About Real Estate. Um, how can people reach out to you? Uh, well, if anyone wants to just learn more about net lease investing, you can go to my website, um, buynnproperties.com. You can always email me. Um, yeah, I'm always, always available. Just love having conversations about it, but yeah, just reach out anytime. Let's have a conversation. I'm also on all of the social media platforms. They can just uh, Google my name and they'll find it or I have my books on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles and things like that. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being on our show and then make sure to check out Dwayne Clark, uh, triple net deal finder and check him out on his website saying, be sure to contact him and learn more about it. If you're interested in triple net leasing, um, feel free to contact us as well for real estate syndications, funds, and more. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great day.